Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Texan Senior Residential Care Homes, ATD Painting, and Performance Food Group. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes, senior care at its best with a family atmosphere. Obviously, if all seniors had the option, they would be living at home, but sometimes that isn't always possible. Well, guess what? That is where Texan Senior Residential Care Homes comes into the picture. Texan specializes in making its facilities as close to a home living experience as possible. I'm talking full living room, kitchen, dining room, cable TV, music, games, fireplace, you name it. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes has it. They've even got home-cooked meals by experts. It's an extra throw-in. Not only that, there are no move-in fees, no visitation restrictions, so your loved ones are free to stop by and visit anytime they please. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes are located at I-635 in Marsh Lane in Dallas, right near Carrollton. For more info, you can call 469-400-7650. Texan Senior Residential Care Homes. And now, let's podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch. I'm being joined by Brian Murphy, Devin Hassan. Gentlemen, let's get into week five of the high school football season. This was a, uh, first off, a rain-free week for everybody, I believe. We finally, we all got out of things. Sunny skies. <laughs> got out of last week. Yeah. Goodness. So, um, so yeah, guys, looking over the, uh, the scores from this past week and just some of the standout games, one thing that really stood out, and this was kind of the week of the underdog, you know, for all the time that we spent on this podcast, lauding the powerhouses in the area like your Allens, you know, your, your Plano East, your Frisco Lone Stars. Um, we had some teams that are really came out of the woodwork this past week and earned some, uh, I think it's fair to call it at this point, some signature wins. Some teams that, um, you know, may have, um, at the start of the year might have entered these uh, their respective games as underdogs, at least on paper. And then, uh, yeah, sure enough, we, uh, so let's talk a bit about some teams that we don't really get to discuss a whole lot on this. Um, you know, Brian, you asked last week when the last time on the picket line, we all picked one team to win and they lost. Um, and that actually had happened you know, prior with you know, McKinney North and Frisco Wakeland. Well, same thing happened last week with Mesquite and, uh, and Mesquite Horn. Devin, you were at this game, a, uh, the, uh, the biggest win for the Skeeters under uh, second-year head coach Jeff Fleener. Uh, their third consecutive win on the season, so all of a sudden mm-hmm. some nice little momentum with, uh, with uh, the original Mesquite High. And sure enough, uh, it comes at the expense of a team that we all assumed would be a, <laughs> you know, just kind of a... You know, Getting off the Schneider this week and you know reinserting itself right back into the district title conversation. Still plenty of time for that, but nevertheless, Horn's not the story right now. Let's talk about those skiers, man. A huge win over Horn, Devin. What was your uh, your t- just your takeaways from that game on Friday? I, I really didn't think it was a statement win. Yeah. Uh, you know, talking to Jeff Fleener uh, after the game, he he was trying to keep it in perspective. You know, it was it was another game, it's another win, but it's not our ultimate goal. But there was visible excitement yeah. uh, on the sideline, and just and just for some background, obviously, uh, you mentioned Mesquite went one and nine last season in their first year under under uh, Jeff Fleener, and he preached. I mean, from the day they they that final game was over, he preached improvement in strength and conditioning. He said we were not physically strong enough to compete last year; we just weren't. He, so they they hit the weight room. Uh, they they that was their focus all off season. You know, you had to wait to see how it would translate to success on the field. They got off to a nice start. You know, they they 
two and one coming in could argue they, they could consider some those three and one because they were up on Grand Prairie. But you know, Plano West and Ellie Bell were nice wins, but that's not exactly the heavyweights of the of the area yeah. in terms of competition. So you wondered how that would uh, you know carry over into district play. And Horn seemed to be a good measuring stick, even though Horn was 0 4 coming in. Horn had played Allen, Allen Park, Cedar Hill, Arlington. I mean, they played a murderer's row of a non-district schedule. And against Arlington last week, they scored 34 points. They rushed for nearly 500 yards. So you thought, okay, Horn's kind of rounding into form, and this is we'll see how this really plays out. But I was just so impressed with Mesquite. This was obviously the first time I'd had a chance to see them in person this season. Uh, that defense, uh, you know, after rushing for nearly 500 yards against Arlington, Horn was held to under 300 total yards. And this is a, a, a Horn team that, that features uh, defending uh, District Most Valuable player Jermaine Gibbons, mm-hmm. Asias Taylor, Nikowski Emery's come on strong. And that I tell you what, that that Mesquite defensive line with uh, Ote Baker and Osiratin Obadie, uh, Jackson Turner, uh, Sam Smith, I mean, they control the line of scrimmage. I was really impressed just with their ability up front. They've got some players on offense. You know, they came in, uh, started the season with rotation. Dylan McGill has pretty much taken over. 95% of those snaps. Yeah. I think he played, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago about him with that incredible game where he had five completions and they all went for touchdowns. <laughs> uh, but he's really no more as a, as a runner. And he, and he flashed that uh, on Friday night. I mean, he, he gets out of that pocket and he's faster than everybody else in the field. And he made a couple of really game-changing runs. They have a bruiser in Ladarius Turner in the backfield uh, who's a workhorse who can carry the ball 25, 30 times a, a, a game. And uh, their wide receivers, there's talent out there. Devin Davis uh, is, is their for a prospect out there. He was double teamed for most of the night, so he didn't have as much of an impact last week. But Jadarian Smith made two of the, the better catches you'll ever see on the sideline. One just set up the game-winning field goal that I'll get to in a second. Um, and and Kyber Frazier, their sophomore, caught two touchdown passes. Um, and so they, they, there's talent there. But, again, it's it's that strength. And part of when you go, we're coming off a one-win season, it's learning how to win. That's so important. Because some teams just, it takes them a while to do that. So Mesquite is ahead for most of this game. They're ahead 17-10 to 10 with three minutes left. Horn, who knows how to win, like a lot of those guys did it last year, marches down the field. Right down the field. I mean, their best drive of the night. They score with, uh, Josiah Taylor scores on a three-yard run with about a minute left. Minute three to be exact. And you just thought, here we go. Horn shows, you know, here's that experience. And we're going to overtime. Horn's got all the momentum. You know, Mesquite, they had other ideas. <laughs> like I say, I mean, Dylan McGill uh, hits Jadarian Smith for 17 yards. and there's, But they're still late. They started their own 14. So they're still deep in their own territory. It's about 30 seconds left. And then on a broken play, Dylan McGill drops back. You thought he was going to take off and run. And at the last second, he pulls up, stops, and hits Jadarius Smith for a 46-yard gain. And like I said, one of the best catches you'll see all season long. And that puts him in field position, uh, in scoring position. Uh, they, Coach Flair said after the game, they wanted to take another shot at the end zone because there was still time on the clock. But they ran a play, um, fumbled, but as the officials were trying to sort things out, the clock kept running. So they didn't really have a choice. Uh, it came down. There was, they called timeout with one second left, and Iron Perez, who's been impressive for him all year long, uh, kicks 42-yarder and sparks a huge celebration. So, I mean, just like I say, it, it's it's huge on a number of levels. I, I mentioned learning how to win. That showed that they could against a good a, a rivalry game against a cross-town opponent. Uh, against, well, again, they're 0-1-5. Horn is still a very good football team, I believe. And um, it just – just huge in terms of confidence, huge in terms of momentum, and huge in terms of the district, in terms of the playoff race. Yeah. Uh, you look at that district right now, 
Longview and Rockwell have kind of established themselves as the top dogs. And Longview beat Rockwell last week, making them kind of the, the early uh, front, uh, front runner. But uh, you take those two teams out of the equation and just say, you know, hypothet- for hypothetical sakes, those two teams are in. Well, that's a five-team race for two playoff spots. Horn, I mean, Mesquite already has a, a win over Horn now, who arguably could be you know the third best team in that district coming in. Um, and so it's huge in terms of not, I picked Mesquite to make the, the playoffs last week, which was kind of a stretch because I didn't do that prior to the start of the season. But uh, I mean, not just from a confidence uh, standpoint, but just from looking at the standings, that is a huge head-to-head win. And Mesquite could be looking at a return to the playoffs a lot sooner than people picked. What? Um, just a quick comment. Just a quick. I want to get a quick take on Horn because this is like we can explain away the first four. You know, you it's as tough a non-district schedule as anybody in the state had. Um, this was one though where I think the stars were kind of aligning, like you said, with the momentum they seem to be building against Arlington. The stars were kind of aligning for this to be a big bounce-back opportunity for them after seeing. Them in person. Um, what do you? I mean, what do you attribute this, uh, this yeah. slow start to right now? What needs to get corrected for Horn to start looking like the Horn of old? You know, and, and it's, it's it's strange because you know Jermaine Givens. Uh, you know, last season, I mean, they were they were so prolific both passing and running the ball, and they always had good athletes on the outside. But they attempted three passes in the first half, and it. I just couldn't find me. They just were sticking to the run. It wasn't a grind game that was necessarily moving the ball well, mm-hmm. but um, that's what they were sticking with. And when they did that last drive, when they had when they had you know sixty eight yards on that in the last three minutes, they threw the ball and, and it, they looked good doing it. And I just I kind of went, I don't know why y'all weren't doing this the entire time. I think they're just trying to find a rhythm. Uh, you know, I guess get some continuity with those new guys at receiver because they did have to replace several guys on the outside. Uh, Nikowski Emery, who was one of their receivers last year, has has moved to the backfield for the most part, and he's been electric. He he had a 29 yard touchdown run last week. Uh, like I mentioned, Asias Taylor uh, has been solid, and Jermaine Givens always has a chance to uh, to break down a defense with his legs. So I, you know, I just I look for him to try to open up a little bit more because uh, again, Mesquite did a good job. Uh, con- containing them. I mean, they still put up their share of yards on the ground. I think they had two and thirty-three <laughs> yards rushing, but you know, it was it was great. It was you know, small gains. It wasn't the big plays. Mesquite did a great job of, of limiting big plays. So the talent is still there. Again, um, that that defense is solid, uh, and I still think they're going to factor in the playoff race. I still yeah. think they'll make the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I've been saying this for weeks, so I was like, oh, "Don't worry about the Allen." Oh, you know, the, the, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's now, understandable. But, but, so but, now, it's, but now you look up, and it's halfway through the season, yeah. and they're zero and five. And yeah, and I, I can't. Yeah. You know, when do you hit? When do you hit the panic button? On exactly, that exactly. You can't. There's. There's going to come a point where I can't just say, "Oh, no. just ignore last week, ignore last point, week, ignore last week." It's funny. Just I got to remind myself that these are just like 16, 17 year old kids, and <laughs> I mean they're not accustomed to going through this. This is just such uncharted waters to them. So you worry that you know maybe some because it's not going to be any easier this week when they get Rockwall. No, um, I mean, no. It's, so I mean, you you hope that just some bad habits will start to kind of matriculate, and this I don't know a sense of doubt kind of creeps in because this is just unlike anything that these kids have ever experienced. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that went nine and two last yeah. year, and, and they went undefeated in district. And I don't know if if their confidence t- is taking a hit. Even they start the season and they get thumped, yeah. forty to nothing by Allen, but Allen's Allen. Yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, I don't know if, if just pl- they play that to those top teams to get battle tested. But I don't, you know, like you said, they're 16, 17, 18 year old kids. Their confidence is going to get hurt sometimes. And I, I think you know, against Rock- Rockwell's going to be a tough challenge. But again, I, I think they get things turned around. The talent is there. Yeah, yeah. But, they, but, they, but, sure. they, but they've yeah. got to find some continuity on offense because that's been one of the most high powered 
offenses in the area for the past decade, and they just haven't really hit their stride. Uh, you know, well, you saw a game that very much kind of went against expectations heading in. Brian, you saw one as well, and a game that uh, <laughs> this wasn't an upset, at least on the scoreboard, but there was definitely a, definitely a game that went against the grain, at least from a conventional wisdom standpoint. Frisco Lone Star versus Little Elm, the second straight 10 to 7 game. Both of those games, they lost yeah. Highland Park two weeks ago, 10 to 7, <laughs> and then they turn on the winning end of it. This has time that, around, has that ever happened? Like, there's no way for any of us to know that. But a team that plays ten, two consecutive ten, ten to seven, seven games, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't tell you the last ten to seven game I saw. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was easier for me as a sports writer. I didn't have to keep logging a bunch of touchdowns and stats. In fact, there weren't many stats in this game. Lone Star had 96 total yards. They had under 20 yards or under 25 yards at halftime. What Lone Star team is this? <laughs> who, who is this team? Yeah. Like it. Little M has faced Lone Star four times now. They've lost all four, but the other uh, three before they were all blowouts. Yeah. And now you you know you look you're like okay, you know moral victory for Little M. You know hanging hanging in there with Lone Star, but they should have won this game. Well, how how, how had Little M's defense done before that? Had, had they pretty, been, I mean, were they pretty stout before? Or they were. Just, they they it's, were. It's more product of Little M's defense or, or Lone Star. Little M's defense is the strength. You know their defensive line gave you know Lone Star fits. They they pressured the quarterback. They stopped the running game. But I'm not impressed with Lone Star's offense right now. And I, I know Coach Rayburn is – he won't say it, but I know he's concerned about that offense. You know, they didn't score an offensive touchdown in this game. Their only touchdown came on a kick return to start the game by Marvin Mims, who was held in check the, the rest of the game. He's their best offensive player. He might be their best player all around. Him and Julian Larry. And Julian Larry, he had a, a, a kick return in the second – in the fourth quarter that he returned it to near midfield, and that set up their field goal. If it wasn't for that, they would – I don't think they would have scored. And so special teams really hurt Little Lum in this one with the kick return touchdown and then the 30- or 40-yard kick return mm-hmm. in, the, in the fourth quarter. And, you know, special teams hurt them. And then the Lone Star's offense, I just I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's – it's easy to pinpoint on Julian Larry, who's in his first year as a quarterback on the varsity level. He was a cornerback last year. But Coach Rayburn told me after the game, he's like, you know, this is a, a collective thing. It's not just – uh, the quarterback's fault. It's not just running back's fault. It's not just offensive line. He said it's it's us on the coaches. It's us on the team. It's just everyone needs to be better offensively. And right now, if, if that offense keeps playing like that, I don't I don't think they beat the colony. I don't think I don't think they beat Lakeland if they play like the way they did. You know, I don't think they they don't they will not run the table like we all thought. Like I thought. Um, but their defense looks so good. <laughs> yeah. Lone Star's defense is phenomenal. They held Highland Park to 10 points, like we said, two weeks ago. You know, they made, you know, Little Elm look pretty pedestrian. They had one they, – granted, they had a field goal blocked. Little Elm did, so it could have been, you know, a little different. Little Elm was – their game plan going in was run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. They ran the ball over 40 times. Um, their quarterback, Juan Ponce, he, he lost some yardage on runs. If you take him out of the equation, they ran for over 100 yards. Uh, in the game, but you know their inability to throw the ball as well against a really good Lone Star secondary, you know that hurt them. Um, but yeah, if if Little Lone could have just you know capitalized on some of their long drives, one of their drives I, I counted was like 16 plays, and in, uh, in the first half of the game I was like, okay, this is going to be the recipe to this game. They're going to run the ball, run the ball. Run. Obviously, for obvious reasons, you want to keep your defense off the field. You want to you know have a chance to beat Lone Star a team that they had never even come close to beating ever. And you know that that coaching scheme almost worked, and it's just they just couldn't get enough offensively. But you know that's more of a testament to how good that Lone Star defense really is, and that's what Coach Brown told me after the game. You know that's a championship level defense, 
On that side, there just wasn't much offense either way. On either side, yeah. But I mean, yeah. that's the thing. Like, I'm not sure if Coach Brown has won for moral victories. You know, like you said no. earlier. But at the same time, I mean, you, that has to be a pretty empowering performance, especially defensively for Little he, going forward. He wasn't happy yeah. after the game. I mean, yeah, it's you know, you're playing to get the win for sure. And, and you know, when you're you looking get so big close, picture, though, there is definitely some positives sure. to be taken away. And in recent history, that first district game has not suited well for uh, Little Home. You know, last year in the first district game, they had Prosper after a hot 3-0 start, and then they got blown out. You know, and then previously against, like I said, against uh, Lone Star, you know, they never even come close to even having a close game with Lone Star in the past. And I told them, I was like, so with recent history, how y'all played against them before, and how y'all started district against Prosper the previous two years, you know, is this you know, is this kind of a moral victory? He's like, bottom line, we're we're zero one in district right now, and you know, you got to feel for him because if you get so close, it's even more painful. If they would have got blown out by Lone Star, you'd been like, okay, it's a really good team, yeah. regroup. You know, just couldn't match up with them or whatever. I don't know how. I'm not a coach. I don't know what he would have thought, but I think the fact that they were so close and they they had a, a chance for a game winning drive. They couldn't even get a first down on that final drive. They got sacked back to back plays. They had like a third and thirty, and so it was just so demoralizing knowing that you could have beaten. Lone Star, and then you just you hold them to 10 points. You hold them out of the end zone. They don't score an offensive touchdown in this game, and they couldn't. You told them beforehand that that was going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and when Marvin Mims took that kick return to the house, they're starting. I was still kind of typing things up, getting things ready. I was like, okay, okay. And I look up, and Marvin Mims is just gone. And I was like, oh man, I was holding on to my seat. I was like, this is going to be a wild one. You know, Lone Star is going to put up a lot of points. <laughs> And no one scored again until the fourth quarter. Wow. <laughs> it was nuts. And it was 7-7 seven to seven at one point in this game in the fourth quarter. And I was like, man, it's little I'm about to pull up an upset. And it was going to be another uh, clean sweep on the picket line the opposite way because we all obviously mm-hmm. picked Lone Star, you know, ranked seventh in the state. But, you know? And just in terms of our teams from our markets, mm-hmm. if, if I would have told you last week, uh, last year at this time that there would be a week where Saxy, Horn, Lone Star, none of them would score more than 23 points in a game. <laughs> they, they have that by halftime, yeah. all of them. <laughs> so... But yeah. they, but the bottom line is they won, and that's yeah. But Rayburn wasn't. <laughs> oh, he no. wasn't yeah. ecstatic. He wasn't. How could you be? Yeah, he yeah he knows there's there's room for concern and whatnot right now. Meanwhile, so when you were watching that game, a game where there were combined 17 points scored, it was a nice little shootout and some nice history for uh, for the youngest school in Frisco ISD. Let's talk a bit about those Memorial Warriors. What a what a performance by them as they get their first ever victory against, uh, I guess, the second youngest school in Frisco mm-hmm. ISD. Uh, a 45-40 victory over Lebanon Trail. Sounded like an absolute thriller. Brian, um, just kind of talk a bit about just the significance of this for Memorial. Oh, it's, it's huge because we thought you know, this would be Memorial's only chance for a win this year, and they got it. You know, seeing in Lebanon Trail, they actually got to play JV football the last two years. Memorial did not. They just pretty much started from scratch this spring, pulling kids from Heritage, Lone Star, Wakeland, kids with no varsity experience coming into the season. I think only three players had ever even played in a varsity game before. And they come in here and they just compete, not only compete, but they they gave it to Lebanon Trail in a shootout. 45-40, there was over 800 total yards in this game. Uh, almost 900 total yards, actually. Uh, they went with a different quarterback in this game, which was intriguing. They had been going with Matt Sanders, who had a, played a lot of minutes last year with Heritage, uh, with Lamar Jones going down. But they started Charlie Flowers instead. He threw for over 300 yards, four touchdowns. <laughs> nice uh, debut. It's a nice little debut. and Yeah, <laughs> right there. And, you know, granted, Lebanon Trail had struggled the week before against Frisco. Uh, but, you know, you're looking on the, this game on paper, you're like, like I said, Lebanon Trail, they've, They've had they've been a unit for three years now, so they have that upper hand. Uh, but neither side has seniors, and you know what? Kids get juiced up for games like this. They played it in the star. 
you know, that explains why they sc- there's so many points maybe. But, you know, and I'll actually be meeting with um, Coach Roberson and the, the Warriors uh, later this week. Uh, for a big story and then being living on trail. See what they have, have to say about all this. Just, uh, I mean, just looking over some numbers. I mean, got to throw a shout out just for them, for their mental fortitude, just looking at the way that this game transpired. Yeah. I mean, they jumped off to a massive lead. <laughs> they were up in the second quarter 24 to 7 on Lebanon Trail. And for a team like that, that's, I mean, that's just taken some rough losses already oh to start the season. I mean, that's just like, wait a minute, what? Look at, we're dominating? What's the. <laughs> but I mean, so then obviously Lebanon Trail has the big comeback, though, in the second half. They were leading at the end of three quarters 34 to 31. So just like that, all that momentum is gone, and you know, shout out to Memorial for uh, you know for standing firm and just bending, not breaking. There were three lead changes in the fourth quarter, and they took the lead for good on this one on a uh, on a forty yard pass from quarterback Charlie Flowers to Chris Legrone, and there you go, history. Yeah, history. Making before this game, they hadn't scored a touchdown in the first. Well, they they only scored one touchdown prior to that, and it was in garbage time against Lovejoy, and you know the game was ultimately decided. That game was seventy four thirteen. The previous uh, meeting, the previous games, shut out against Salina, only a field goal against Independence, and they were shut out last week against a Broswell team that isn't very good, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they could have gone into this game very demoralized. You know, Lebanon Trail, they already had a win under their belt after beating Fort Worth Southwest in week one. So it's like, hey, Lebanon, Lebanon Trail's proven mm-hmm. that they can compete and that they can win games. And here we are. We really haven't scored a, a, you know, I wouldn't say a meaningless touchdown or a meaningful touchdown. But, you know, the fact that they jumped out on them early, I think, was key, you know, to, to beating the, the Lebanon Trail Trailblazers. <laughs> <laughs> that's still so weird to say. Yeah. So um yeah that's a look at uh, just a few of the a uh, few of the underdogs that uh, that emerged victorious. We got a few more to discuss on the back end of the uh, of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's shine that student that's let's shine that student athlete spotlight. I should say, it's talking is hard. Um, so yeah, for uh, you know we just talked about a shootout in Frisco. I got to see a fantastic shootout at Prestonwood Christian, where Prestonwood beat the uh, beat Houston St. Pius the tenth in a rematch of, uh, of last year's state title game. Uh, front and center for that one was quarterback Dylan Cadwallader, who uh, who combined for six touchdowns in that win, and we had a chance to catch up with Dylan to talk about the uh, what has to this point been the signature win for Prestonwood on the uh, on the young season and uh, his big year overall. And we will see what he had to say after a word from the sponsor. Let's take a quick break to talk about ATD painting. Whether it's painting, staining, carpentry, residential, commercial, interior, exterior, if you need it painted, ATD painting has got you covered. At ATD painting, their goal is to provide a home improvement experience that is a great value, trouble-free, and enjoyable. And painting is really just kind of scratching the surface as to what they uh, as to what these appointments entail. For ATD painting's interior projects, things like painting, wall repair, ceiling repair, they'll make sure that your floors and furniture protected and that everything is all cleaned up afterwards. For exterior projects, not only will they do the painting, but they will hand scrape loose paint, reattach loose boards, recalk windows or doors, plus much more. Not only that, if you visit their website right now, atdpainting.com, you can find a coupon for $200 off a complete exterior purchase. Um, Once again, ATD Painting. They've got four locations in the Metroplex, including in Plano and Louisville. For more information, call 972-694-8888 or visit atdpainting.com. That is ATD Painting. Check it out to see just how affordable professional painting can be. And now, let's get back to the podcast. 
We are out here at Prestonwood Christian Academy talking with Dylan Cadwallader, senior quarterback for the uh, Prestonwood Christian Academy Lions. Uh, Prestonwood fresh off a, a big 57-48 victory last week over Houston St. Pius X, a rematch from last year's TAPS Division I state championship. First off, Dylan, thank you for taking the time to chat with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So, I mean, congratulations on the win, man. Huge win. Obviously, a very dramatic game. Went right down to the wire. Um, a big night for you for the rest of the offense. Um, you've had some, uh, some time to let that game settle in so just thinking back to Friday just um, kind of put that performance into perspective for you and just the entire offense in general just how proud are you of the guy of the way the the guys came through I mean after coming in on Saturday and watching the film we did a great job uh, all around we had mistakes too which uh, we'll be able to fix today and through this week coming up against all saints um, but I mean it was a huge win for us and our program coming into um, the district play now, uh, this required a game-winning drive, um, some late-game heroics from uh, from yourself and the rest of the offense. Is that the first time you've ever had to stage a game-winning drive during your high school career? Um, that I, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I think one, that was one of the biggest ones. So, so I, mean, I mean, just thinking back to that, uh, that last drive, I mean, in the moment, is it tough to kind of stay composed with what's at stake there and just the margin for error just because, I mean, you guys are up obviously up against it from a time standpoint with just like, what, like two minutes left in the game and you're in third and long kind of right out of the chutes. So just what's it tough at all to kind of just stay composed during that stretch? Uh, not really because we practice it in practice. Um, I mean, we do situational drills just about every Thursday. And through the week, I'm getting ready for it, and they had us ready for the game. Obviously helps to have an offensive line like y'all do as well. I believe, I mean, for all the times that you dropped back in that game, didn't get sacked once. Um, So just obviously your pocket presence has something to do with that, but obviously the guys blocking up front are pretty big as well. Just talk a bit about the job your line did. Yeah, I mean, even whenever they made their mistakes, um, there weren't great big mistakes. I mean, I was able to move around well, um, but, I mean, huge credit to them. They did a great job in the game. Now, um, just talk a bit about just the rushing aspect of your skill set. Obviously, you know, you you know you get a lot of big numbers passing the ball, but once you guys got closer to the goal line on Friday, you got to showcase your speed a bit. And the week before, you had a massive touchdown run as well. Um, just yeah, just talk a bit about your comfort level as a, as a rusher, because it seems like once you guys get near the goal line, they kind of open up the playbook a bit more for you. Yeah, I mean, if we need it, I'll use it. But, I mean, um, I'm through the air first. But if we need a big game or just something scrambling through the, with my legs, it's there. And um, obviously one of the big uh, storylines heading into this game was just the quarterback play. I mean, with you and, you know, Houston St. Pius with Grant Gunnell. And obviously I know that, you know, you play quarterback and he plays quarterback. So the two of you are never actually going against each other on the field per se. But at the same time, when you have a quarterback like Grant who's coming in with his reputation, you know, one of the top pro-style quarterbacks in the country, does, uh, does that get your blood pumping a little bit more to kind of, you know, have a chance to kind of go uh, head-to-head with one of the best QBs in the state? Or just how do you approach that? Yeah, I mean, it's competitive out there. So whatever he he's doing I'm doing and it just kind of shows I kind of want to see where I stack up next to him because I know he's a talented guy but um, that's it's great to see where I stack up and that's pretty much it. Now, this is your uh, your first year at Prestonwood. You you know you've obviously had a had a terrific junior year out up at, uh, up at Wakeland, up in Frisco. Just talk a bit about just the transition and um, during the spring and getting acclimated to a brand new offense, a brand new system here at Prestonwood. Yeah, I mean the first day I was here, we were hit the ground running, uh, going through the playbook and uh, just learning the system, meeting all the guys. Um, it was a great process, great transition. Really, um, they got me ready as quick as they could. Thinking, I'm thinking back to last season. Just how do you feel like you've kind of grown as a quarterback? You know, since your time at Wakeland, how do you feel like your skill sets kind of evolved now that you're at Prestonwood? Um, I'd say my pocket presence is a lot greater. Just maneuvering through the pocket instead of just immediately escaping and going through my reads more diligently and studying film really. 
And you had a nice little accolade thrown your way out last week with being named the uh, the Built Ford uh, Tough Texas High School Football Player of the Week for your performance against Liberty Christian. Um, you know, five touchdowns in that game, six this past week. You actually probably actually won, won up your performance that um, they got you that award. But nevertheless, um, just what did it mean to you to get that award from uh, from Ford? I mean, it was great, great experience. Um, hopefully. This one will be a little bit sweeter, um, but I mean, it is it feel very accomplished. From that. So, so then now, before I uh, you know, before I let you go, just um, you know, you've you you came from Wakeland, which was a program that was a consistent playoff contender every year. Um, but now at Prestonwood, you're coming into the you're quarterbacking the reigning state champions and a program that does have that state championship robust um, expectation. Just what is it like for you, kind of you know, adapting to a program that has that level of expectation? It's just a different tradition, really. Um, just getting to learn the championship way that Prestonwood uh, works and competes. Mm-hmm. It's just a higher level, to be honest. Awesome, and that'll that'll just about do it, Dylan. I appreciate you for taking the time to chat. Uh, Dylan Cadwallader, quarterback for Prestonwood Christian. The Lions continue their season on Friday, a road game against Fort Worth All Saints, and that will just about do it, Dylan. Thanks for taking the time to chat. Thanks for having me. Welcome back to the second half of the Star Oak Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Taylor Raglan, uh, standing in for host Matt Welch uh, for this second half. We did the full line change today. Uh, I'll be joined by Justin Thomas, Denton County Sports Editor, um, and Kendrick Johnson, who does sports for McKinney, uh, to continue kind of the discussion on, on some of the weird and, and uh, maybe not necessarily upsets uh, from week five of, of Texas high school football, but just some of the results that... Uh, made us scratch our heads a little bit or, or changed our opinions of teams or, uh, you know, just kind of uh, made us view teams in a new light. So I guess we'll we'll start with kind of the big one, I think, from your neck of the woods, JT, in uh, Irving MacArthur taking Coppell down to the wire. Certainly not one that, that many people saw coming, uh, that game being as close as it was. I believe it was a 28-21 final. Mm-hmm. or It was definitely seven points. So it's uh, it, was, it was a game that a lot of us had Coppell winning pretty handily, uh, obviously. So... Um, you know what was uh, I don't know I don't know if the right question is what was wrong with the Cowboys, but you know maybe yeah. what did MacArthur do well to uh, to make that one close, and, and just what are some of the storylines coming out of that one? Yeah, tough to know exactly without attending this game or really seeing what happened, just going off the box score and stuff. But yeah, Coppell was surprisingly losing this game, twenty-one to fourteen, going into the fourth quarter, and then they rally, get a couple late touchdowns, um, they score the game winner with about a minute and a half left. Um, so not really sure. Uh, kind of what happened, why this game was so close. I guess maybe we'll have to give start giving the Irving schools a little more credit than we thought coming in. We've yeah. seen how they did in the non-district and then mm-hmm. putting uh, between this one and Nimitz, he been maybe a little couple more competitive scores than we thought for both of those games. So um, maybe these Irving schools are a little better than we thought. It kind of looks this might be a little tighter, more than a five-team playoff right. race if you want to include MacArthur and Nimitz in the mix now, seeing their results last week. Um but I mean, obviously, looking at the box score, three interceptions for Capel is not going to yeah. help your cause. And then another thing, you don't, you know, just looking at the box score, you don't really know how these played out. But ten penalties for sixty-eight yards versus just fifteen penalty yards for MacArthur. Yep. So I'm sure that didn't help Capel either. Maybe some distractions with a homecoming week at Capel there. You never know how that. Maybe plays looking in, ahead so. to the you know the big and game maybe, this week. Yeah, maybe looking ahead to the big game against Hebron coming up on. Uh, uh, Friday, so I, all that stuff could play in, but they, you know, they still got the victory. This is a Coppell team that in the past I've kind of felt 
kind of plays to the level of their competition a little mm-hmm. bit. And I remember a couple of years ago, it was a Bell game that was a real close game, and I was really surprised. And then they went out and played somebody good the next week and beat them. And right. So this is a team that I've kind of thought in the past has kind of played to the level of their competition mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more than they should, kind of letting some lower teams hang around a little and really <laughs> playing up to some bigger right. teams. You've seen this struggle before. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> but they did pull out the win. So, I mean, they got the win. They're 1-0 in district, and now, you know, Nobody will nobody will care about this game if they come out and do play play to their potential against Hebron. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. Maybe maybe it is a case of you know us kind of leaning on past experience and and not covering those those uh, Irving teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as in depth as we do, you know, teams yeah. that are closer to us. So maybe think, they are just a little more competitive. We, I think we all just have to do. A, it's really hard in high school football to to te- see how one team played against another team and then right. see how that because you look at Coppell beating. Um, LD Bell 41-7. They didn't even give up a point until like the last minute. That same LD Bell team beat MacArthur 31-10. So you want to just look at those two results and say, all right, Coppells should drill them. But I think if you start looking around the area and looking at scores like that, that's not a a good way to... It's a losing game pretty much every time to try to to play the matchup game and who's beat who because different teams match up differently. Different teams get up. I mean, MacArthur obviously um, got up for this game because it's Coppell and the narrative is, you know, you guys are going to go out and lose by 50 or Mm -hmm. whatever the the case may be. So a lot of that plays into it as well. But um, speaking of teams that, I mean, I don't know if if you want to call it an upset from your end, but certainly one that I had had going the other way and and McKinney Boyd and Jesuit and and the... uh, you know the Boyd program getting it done uh, with the win over Jesuit. I believe another seven-point game, but um, it's, there's been some turmoil surrounding that program this season, and, and kind of some some disappointing results. But I mean, they they went out and, and took care of Jesuit, a team that you know we're definitely reevaluating uh, in their own right now. But you know, what did you see from Kenny Boyd and in, in that win, and what does that kind of what does that mean for the rest of the year for them? Um, Saw that they that they can play a, a full game because they've been beating themselves. Like they played Louisville, right? They had a seventy yard bomb and a touchdown. The bomb was going to lead to points. They had like fourteen points taken off the board with silly penalties, personal fouls, right? Stuff you can't do to win. Switching out the quarterbacks. Some people mm-hmm. agree with it. Some people don't. Both quarterbacks are very talented, but if they pick who, whichever one they pick, can get the job done. But it's like. They need some reps. So right. this week, let's lead me into this week. Colin uh, Drake got the start because Christian Ziegler had an ankle injury. Yeah, wasn't even so, active, right? Yeah, so he wasn't active. So Colin knew he was going to get all the snaps. The man goes 7 for 11 with two touchdowns. And a guy that people need to start looking for that's going to be on that all-district team and all-Colin County team, I'm, I'm going to put it out there now, Kareem Coleman. He, he was the one that caught the touchdown the seven yard bomb. They got yeah. the ball back. Right. He's a, he's a matchup nightmare for um, everybody. He caught. Um, let me check out his stats last week. I think he had like five catches for like a buck sixty, something crazy like that. Yeah, if my server will pop up. <laughs> I mean, just in general, though, I think the. I mean, I think the the narrative for them is is kind of like you said. The quarterback position's been really up in the air. So who knows? Maybe they maybe they figured something out. Maybe it's one of those weird scenarios where an injury kind of gives one guy a leg up, or maybe there wouldn't have been one just based go, on server, Kareem Coleman five catches, hundred forty nine yards, two tubs. Yeah, and he's been doing it like pretty consistently. But another thing that. Um, I have no idea what what was the reason is they Jatana Shaw was their lead running back last year. He started the season out as a DB. Right. I have no idea why. 
he's back at running back. He had 20 carries, a buck 31, two touchdowns. Yep. So that's huge, too. And he's an experienced guy. He's a, a junior, started last year as a sophomore. So, um, boy, I guess they start playing to their strengths. Yeah. But more important in the big picture, this one game has swung the momentum of everything because what I look at it is if they find a way to be play those senior or mm-hmm. prosper, Boyd will be in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I mean that one game certainly could be. That was like a season swinger. So I don't know like in the other district how big of a swing was. That was a major swing. Yeah, because now they know they come out there they can be Plano or Prosper. They're heading to the playoffs. I mean it's it's definitely interesting too because you know as I mentioned the other side of this game you know those are the implications for Boyd but the implications for Jesuit are are much more dire because they're in trouble. Yeah, I mean they they were a team (laughs) that that we had finishing as high as second place in nine six eight coming into the year and their defense. Jesuit, yeah. I mean, I, I had him. I think I had him third, um, and and some of us uh, definitely in the preseason rankings before you know we'd seen any of these teams play, we were we were very high on them and, and finishing high in that district. But I mean, their defense looks looks bad. Um, I don't think they're better than than Plano East certainly, and, and maybe not better than Prosper. And now, I mean, who knows? They get they uh, you know they they lose to Boyd, which like you said, if they turn the corner and and uh, kind of finish the year the way that they have been playing, then. You know, maybe they sneak into that postseason picture too, and Jesuit could finish as low as six. And in a weird way, Boy losing to Plano East gave him some confidence. I talked to one of their key players behind the scenes. He's like, "Man, we got came from. We can play." And he didn't yeah. play in this last game. Yeah. He told me almost exactly. He said, "I guarantee you, if we do the right things, we can beat this team. Right. It's gonna be close either way, but I think we can get there because we know what we can do based off of what we did against Plano East. Right. And I guess there's something some merit to that. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the uh, you know the boy in Louisville game, which Louisville ended up taking 34-21, and, and I know that's a team that you're pretty high on, uh, JT and Louisville, and, and they kind of they kind of had a tough one against Flower Mound. Another, I think another seven-point game seems to be the theme of our half of the podcast, but um, you know, it, it's it, technically eight, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't 35-27. I wouldn't yeah. call that certainly an upset. I mean, that's a game that probably could have gone either way, but I guess just just maybe talk a little bit about you know where Louisville is at and, and where you see them uh, kind of the rest of the way. I thought this was a game that was winnable for them. And, and maybe even yeah. you could argue that they not gave away, but definitely had chances to win. So you know, no, what have I you think seen? That I would say they gave it away. Um, <laughs> this was when you were at. Right? Are, you call, are you calling them a charity? <laughs> hey, you're up twenty-seven-seven with three minutes left in the third quarter. I don't care what the other team does. I'm going to say that you had to do some things to give that game away. Like you're right. twenty, and you, all of a sudden, five minutes later, you're down by one, and your offense hasn't even touched the ball. So. Right. Uh, so how the offense not touch the ball? So Louisville scores a touchdown to go up uh, 27-7. to Flower Mound comes back and scores to make it 27-14. And Louisville tries to execute a reverse on the next kickoff, and they fumble the exchange on the reverse. So Flower Mound p- pounces on the ball, uh, get the ball inside the 20. They score a touchdown, so it's 27-21. On the touchdown, Louisville gets a personal foul. So instead of kicking off, from the 40, they're kicking off from the Louisville 45, so they try to go onside kick, and they get the onside kick. <laughs> the, the Louisville guy's not able to catch it. It was kind of, uh, he was kind of deer in the headlights, like the ball's coming to him, and there's six Flower Mound guys just bearing down on him, and I guess it just got too much, so he must the kick, and Flower Mound's there to fall on it, and then they go score again. How crazy was that stadium? Well, it, was, it was in Louisville. Also, yeah, back it was a pretty, pretty... Also, uh, they were quiet. It was, they were quiet on their side, but it was pretty good crowds on both sides. It was a pretty full stadium. So, um, so yeah, they get the onside kick, go back, score. So they're up one. Then they get a stop, and they get an 80-yard touchdown run from uh, to go up 
by eight. And then Louisville, actually, their special teams actually came up with a big play. They get a stop. They block a punt to get the ball at the flower mound 20, but then they get two minus three-yard passes and a sack, and that's kind of how the game ends. Yeah. So, yeah, they were up 27-7 with three minutes left, and with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, they were down by eight. How much do you think this, do you think if they win that game, they get in the playoffs, do you think um, November, they're going to really I mean, yeah, so? that was going to be my question, just, you know. I mean, they so could be kicking themselves, but at the, I thought this was a game that's going to go a long way in determining the fourth playoff spot. Yeah. I, in my coming into the year, I thought it was going to be Coppell and Hebron, and then I thought it was going to be Marcus Lewisville and Flower Mound for the last two spots. Yep. So this is obviously a tough loss. And you were high on Lewisville. Yeah, I had. Well, I thought it was going to be a tight race between all three of those yeah. teams, and I did have Lewisville as one of the four teams. But they could still get there. They could still have Marcus. And honestly, seeing the Irving schools, I don't think the Irving schools are looking like quite the slam dunks for all these teams. So a lot more opportunities for teams to slip up yeah. and make up yeah. down and vice versa. I think it's. The race is more open than I thought coming into the Yeah, because I believe Marcus still has – they have Nimitz this week. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, it's – yeah, there's, there's – Well, unlike your district, our district has only played one game so far, too. So <laughs> yeah. This, so last fr- – yeah. Friday was just the first game for everybody. Yeah. We're not two games in. Right. Six, six, eight, so. Yeah, so, I, I mean, it's it's no reason to uh, to hit the panic button for sure. But, I mean, come the end of the season, it's if Louisville – definitely Louis one that could come down and – Maybe if, if tiebreakers come into play yeah. or stuff like that, they can say, yep. well, we should have just beat Flower Mound and we could have it. Yep. Or if Louisville finishes fifth outright, then it's like, well, who knows if we you know, if we don't give away yeah. that game to Flower Mound. Flower Mound, meanwhile, has got to be riding high because you know, they didn't score the first half, then they come out. And I know the field position played a little bit of a role in it, but they really cranked up their offense. They really got it yep. going and scored 35 points in eight minutes of game time. I yep. don't care if you get turnovers and stuff. That's still pretty good. Yeah. Speaking of uh, speaking of a lot of offense, I guess we'll go to kind of the last one that, that we wanted to talk about on our half of the podcast, and, and McKinney North getting blown out by Sherman. So I know it's another team that, that you're pretty high on. I think you have them in the playoffs for sure. But you know what happened uh, for the Bulldogs against the Bearcats last week? I think for basically what could go wrong did go wrong because they gave up 335 yards rushing. They had even given 300 yards rushing and combined their first wow. of um, four non-district games combined, which is crazy. And um, also, I even know I gotta uh, put out some feelers and stuff. I'm, I'm gonna go out of practice today. Um, um, their star quarterback Cam Constantine only threw five passes and only had uh, six rushes, and he's averaging 130 yards rushing and 250 yeah. yards passing. So that's a lot of offense that they didn't have. So yeah, that's interesting. I have no idea sure. what happened, but all you have to do is look at the box score, and you can see that Sherman had not one, not two, but three guys go 95 yards or above. Yeah, that's crazy. Yep, and the, and the, and the carries were fifteen, sixteen, and fourteen. So they would come at them all night long. Yeah, I and guess then they, they must have found something that they couldn't stop because, like I said, you got three guys that they like chopping them up with sixteen, fifteen, and thirteen carries. That's crazy. Yep, I guess the question then for for me, kind of you know, with all of these games but, is and a little hidden gem. The North people don't talk about this. And I thought about it last year when it happened because they got out, they didn't look, they came out flat the first game. North has not won their district opener since like 2008 or something like that, something crazy. It's like yeah. nine years in a row. So they're used to bouncing back in a weird way. It's a 
They're right. in position. Kind of same old, same old. Yeah, they've been the boss the last two years. And they have not won a district opener, so it's something that they're used to. Well, I guess then the question is, do you think that you know that holds true this year? You think this is a, a blip in the radar? I know that you know coming into this week, the the defense had played really well, and obviously a, a pretty yeah. big slip up to give up Coach, nearly sixty. Co- but Coach Brandon, Brandon Villarreal, if you want to look online right now, we have a uh, Sunday spotlight running on him. He he's rebuilt his defense because um, last year they got torched, which he torched everybody by John Stephen Jones, who's Jerry Jones' grandson. He threw six or seven touchdowns against them and ran for two while um, Harlan Park ran up 73 points in the second round playoff game. So that kind of was like the basis of them rebuilding the the uh, defense. And so far, the defense, um, they needed to get a stop to win the game against Lockhart Heath. They got it done. They needed to get a stop against Justin Northwest. They got it done. Right. And then the game, they lost to Frisco Wakeland. They only gave up 17 points, and Wakeland averaged like 38, 40 points a game. So. Yeah. Their defense, I, th- I think, is just a blip in the radar. But whoever wins on Friday is going to be key yep. for Texarkana. That's a swing game for both teams. Texarkana is one of the teams that were highly rated, and they're not looking the part. Yep. Well, they got the suit on, but they don't look the part. Right. <laughs> well, speaking of that game uh, between Texarkana, Texas, and McKinney North, that's one of our Game of the Week nominees uh, for this week. Some of the other big ones, um, Coppell and Hebron, obviously, we kind of alluded to. That's always a big one. I believe it's at the Woodshed uh, this year, if, they, if I'm correct on that. Lake Dallas will take on. Denison at home and, and a couple other good nominees in our Game of the Week poll which should be up uh, online shortly for you guys to vote on um, and we will be back uh, Wednesday most likely with another edition of the Style Media High School Sports Podcast to uh, talk the Game of the Week winner uh, and the other four games that are that are kind of the marquee ones and a little bit of a slower week uh, a lot of buys this week again, 9-6-A is off and, and some other districts but still some good games out there so we will be back um, later this week to, uh, to talk about those so have a good start to your week uh, Kendrick, Justin, thanks for joining us and we will talk to you guys soon. Thanks for checking out this edition of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast brought to you by Performance Food Group. Performance Food Group delivers more than 150,000 food and related products to customers all across the country. If you want to get in on that process, PFG just might have a spot for you. Their McKinney office is currently hiring. Job openings include Class A CDL drivers and warehouse order selectors, as well as many other entry and part-time positions. An ideal choice for college students or people just wanting to find new careers in general. Uh, for more information, you can visit their website at pfgc.com slash careers for more job openings. If you prefer to contact them by phone, you can call at 214-491-3130 for more details. Once again, that is Performance Food Group located in McKinney at 500 Metro Park Drive. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than starlocaljobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all. StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.